The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. Yes, that's right. Regina Doherty is with me, the Finnegate Senator and Mick Barry, the Socialist TD for Cork North Central for another edition of Common Ground. This week we are asking, are we too reliant on technology? Mick, are we? We're reliant on technology for everybody listening to this at home. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I think the answer uh, is probably yes. Um, I mean, look, we've all benefited from technology. Uh, Just on my phone before we, 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 we came into the studio here. Uh, and you could give 101 other examples. I suppose, um, you know, technology like any tool is neither inherently good nor inherently bad. It depends on who owns it, who controls it, and what purpose uh, is it put to. Um, I mean, it's not technology, but uh, a walking stick is a very positive thing in the hands of an elderly or infirm person who needs it to go from A to B. Uh, in the hands of someone who's going to bait someone across the head and cause injury. It's a negative. Uh, and I think there are particularly issues with who controls the technology in today's world. And I'm not talking about the ordinary consumer sitting at home uh, with their mobile phone. I'm talking about, for example, the way in which the banks uh, have used technology in order to slash jobs, close branches, uh, rely uh, ever more heavily on ATMs, the way that you can go into some supermarkets now uh, and you can't get uh, an interaction with a human being if you want to buy your pint of milk or your loaf of bread. Uh, You must use uh, the machines. Uh, And that's grand uh, for many people, probably for most people, and no one would say scrap the machines. Uh, But for someone who has issues with reading and writing, someone who is a person with disabilities, um, uh, you know, other people just find it difficult. Uh, I, th- I think that it, it helps to create a world uh, where social interaction is less, loneliness is more, and uh, we can't just automatically assume that technology equals progress, particularly when it's being used uh, for profit at the expense of people. Regina? Um, probably not surprisingly, I don't agree uh, with Mick, because I think technology is an absolutely integral part of modern day life. Um, and the only concern I would have is that the speed at which it's developing is far greater than it would have been, say, 20 years ago, even 10 years ago. But when you look at the benefits across education, across healthcare, across sciences, how we deliver services, um, because I don't necessarily agree and blame the banks for the example that Mick has given. It's the consumer behaviour has changed, which ultimately changes the service. But technology in education, for argument's sake, um, I think was probably most prevalent when we had COVID and we had our lockdowns. There were arguments in schools, um, probably in the months and the years before that, as to whether they should introduce iPads, get rid of books, that kind of stuff. And very serious, um, quite vicious arguments in some cases in my own school at home. I can remember very large public meetings. But the kids who didn't have the iPads couldn't avail of the online education during the many months that we were locked down. Uh, And it did provide a great tool. Even during normal times, the access to the kids have on the information of the World Wide Web during experiments and stuff, it enhances their educational experience. Mm. And I think that's really positive. When you look in healthcare, the advances in healthcare is just phenomenal. Like my brain doesn't even understand how AI can, you know, conduct operations to the precision to make sure that the difference between a human interacting with that operation and, you know, a machine would have a positive outcome. It's just phenomenal. Now, there are downsides, make us right. Um, I think the advent of social media has stopped people engaging with each other other in the way that we used to. 
But again, that's down to the human interaction and we need to be conscious and careful about how much we let it into our lives and how much we let it control our behaviours. But again, I think the initial offering was to enhance people's lives. It's to produce better services, better outcomes. The um, broadband that Fine Gael introduced a couple of years ago, people, Mick talked about people, you know, maybe not using it correctly or stuff. There are people in rural Ireland that still don't even have access to broadband. They can't watch streaming services. So stuff that you and I take for granted because we probably had it for years. So I think there is a fine line between really providing greater outcomes, better services, better advantages and opportunities, but not letting it take over. So, uh, Mick, I, I, <laughs> Excuse me. I don't think anybody uh, listening would assume you want us to go back to a world before any of this technology existed. So, I mean, what what is the way in which you think we can embrace all of the opportunities that Regina talks about there in healthcare and education and everything else, but in a way that addresses the concerns you have? Okay, well, people who are against technology and who want to stop the clock, and I'm, to be clear, absolutely not one of those people, are referred to as Luddites. And it's interesting to go back and say, where did the Luddites come from? They were named, I believe, after a character, strange to say, called Ludd, right? Uh, And they were agricultural labourers who saw that the mechanisation of agriculture and the development of farm machinery uh, was taking their jobs uh, and as a result, their, their families were being thrown into poverty and in some cases, starvation, right? Now, I'm sure that agricultural machinery could have been used um, not just to increase productivity, uh, but maybe to increase pay alongside of that, or maybe to say, okay, we can produce the same amount or a bit more with lesser labour, so we'll cut the hours, right? But instead... In the hands of farmers who wanted to maximise profit, it resulted in job losses on a massive scale and hence the rise of Luddism. So the, the key is to see that the root of the problem here isn't the agricultural machinery back in the day or the technology today, mm. but the fact that they're in the hands of a very small minority of people who are um, uh, prioritising profit over the needs of the individual or the needs of society. And we could talk about the uh, big tech companies, and I will talk about the big tech companies, but I'll stop it there and uh, give Richard uh, a chance. I'm not sure, though, I agree with the example that you've given. So if what you're trying to explain to us is, is that a farmer 50 years ago that suddenly was able to buy a machine that did the job of 10 men was a capitalist and he was only worried about his profits. You know, things advance, services change, products are made that make life easier for people. It isn't always about downing the proletariat and, you know, trying to, you know, in people's jobs, people's circumstances, people's, you know services at work, it changes and evolves. It doesn't necessarily have to be always about downing people. It just is about changing. We're talking about the green economy for the last number of years because we're trying to encourage people to change our practices. But we have to do it in such a way to say those people that are going to lose their jobs like we had in the Midlands, there are going to be other better opportunities for them. It isn't always about taking away and depriving. It's about changing and adapting and ultimately making people's lives better. And when you look at the advent of the four-day week campaign, which ultimately would be, I think it's something that I would really support and think is wonderful. It's going to be because people work smarter. People have advantages with regard to technology to be able to enable them mm-hmm. to do their job ah, better. It's, not, see, about, it's not about downing people or you know but making people redundant for the one day a week. It's about letting them have a better quality of life because there is technology there that helps us all to do things better and faster and more efficiently. Yeah, that, I think. that sounds nice, but it, 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 it flies in the face of reality because the reality is technology controlled by big business for profit means that people 
are working longer and more stressful working days rather than your four-day week. I mean, you have the always-on economy now where workers, if, even if they work in an office, go home at five o'clock, but they're having to check their emails and check their mo- mobile phones up to eight o'clock, nine o'clock, putting the kids to bed midnight and the next morning. The same technology allows lots of those workers to work at home on a Monday and a Friday. Yes, and uh, there's a lot of positives in working from home. Uh, There are some negatives. There are a lot of positives working from home, but they also allow the employer uh, to have um, constant surveillance uh, of workers, knowing if someone is in front of a screen, knowing how many strokes there are, uh, actually seeing into people's living rooms uh, with cameras uh, uh, their home, uh, the eye that's there, and there's been regulation in a lot of other countries about that. Uh, it's the Wild West uh, in uh, in Ireland in that uh, regard. And just on the issue of the number of hours in the week, just briefly on this, possibly the most famous economist of the 20th century, John Maynard Keynes, mm-hmm. wrote a famous essay in the year 1930. He said, Economic Possibilities for Our Grandchildren, where he predicted that we'd all be working 15-hour work weeks within 100 years. Well, there's well that's all I do. I only do three hours to, a day here in to, Newstown. To but instead, what happened? happened? I, I knew you always thought it was a Keynesian. <laughs> <laughs> there, Can I give you an example? I'll just finish on this point, Regina. Yeah. Yeah. There have been massive, incredible improvements and advances in technology. But in large measure, it hasn't resulted in the higher pay or the shorter hours. Most of that has been banked by the big companies that own and control the technology. So not everything is about making money or downing people or demeaning people because of advances. And one example that I give you is the care of older people. So sometimes we talk about one of the biggest afflictions of older people in Ireland is loneliness. And Mick touched on it when he was talking about the supermarkets, although I've never been to a supermarket where there isn't a human that can help me when the machine doesn't work, right? Um, we have huge advances in healthcare for older people. We have technology and sensors and mats in, in houses where people live on their own to ensure that there's somebody monitoring and watching them should they, you know, should they fall and not be active for a while. Should they leave a perimeter if somebody has dementia? You go, my daddy's in a nursing home, they have mats in his room, whereas if they put him to bed and they don't want him to get up for a while, the mat is there so in case he moves, somebody immediately knows that he needs help or assistance. Like technology Very is positive. wonderful. Yeah, it's wonderful. You've Very got positive. interactive technology for older people so that they're not at home and don't see anybody for four or five days. They interact with people through, you know, um, video screening and stuff like that. But also just the connectivity of our own families, just down to something that's very basic and very personal. I have a son who lives in Berlin. Um, We talk every day. We video chat every second day. I don't think my parents, when I lived in London 30 years ago, they might have got a weekly phone call, you know, and sometimes I might have forgotten. But so life is totally different. The world is so much smaller and so much better. No and yes, okay, on that one. You're absolutely right. In the hands of anything, your walking stick is not going to be used by somebody who has an intention to do something else. But in the main, people, you, you even take a look and recently the chapped AI people were in the, the news. Originally when that was set up, it was set up as a non-for-profit because they were so concerned about making sure that it was being used for good as opposed to potentially in the hands of the wrong people being used for not so good. So, you know, I sometimes wonder if you're the type of person that gets up and is always looking at the negative side of everything, you're never going to see the flowers blooming in spring. You know, you have to look at the positives and also be cautious that you don't get taken advantage, but not consistently be looking I, uh, for the disadvantage. I, lo- I love the flowers and I love the spring. But I don't trust uh, a lot of the people who own, for example, the big tech companies. I suspect we're going to run. I thought that was going to be a rhyming couple. We're going to run out of time. We'll come back to that one another day. <laughs> we will. Listen, Regina Doherty, the Finnegan Senator, Mick Barry, Socialist TD for Cork North Central. Uh, thank you both uh, very much. 
The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from 4 on News Talk.